right, welcome to the RSP cast. I'm Matt Waldman, and with me, joining me fresh off of the Senior Bowl, well, maybe a couple weeks ago it was the Senior Bowl, um, Lori Fitzpatrick. Um, Lori, it's always great to be able to, you know, chop it up with you. And today we're going to talk about some prospects we like within the top 100, players that maybe we aren't as keen on in the top in the top 100, and then also, you know, your thoughts on on your first Senior Bowl, you know, and talking about some of that stuff. So. You know, welcome back, and and uh, you know, while we get to it, and just talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl. How was that as a as a first time experience for you? Yeah, this was it was interesting. It was definitely a first time experience for really anything. I I've only gone to like two games as a media member. Uh, this is my first like event. Um, there there was a lot of different stations. You really gotta keep up. Um, I'm telling you, I was. I'm, I'm praising the NFL Network before this show on, on how good of a job they do broadcasting it and kind of splitting everything up and, and labeling, you know, what we're watching now. Because when you're there, there's so much going on um, that, uh, you know, like your your advice is kind of like maybe follow one uh, position group all over uh, for like over the three days or something like that. That's what I kind of did. I kind of picked one positional group. Um, it just stinks because you miss a lot of stuff if you're only following, you know, one group. Um, overall, though, man, I really learned a lot. The networking was great. Um, but being there and smelling the grass and hearing the pads hit and being able to watch quarterbacks throw uh, is a lot better in person than it is over the television. So I was glad to kind of get back to my roots and um actually get back on the field that was fun yeah that's pretty awesome you know and it is it is it's a great experience to be able to do and i look forward to going back it's been a few years since since covid um in 2020 that's that was the first time i missed it in over a decade and then i haven't been back since so i'm i'm hoping to come back um go back and and check it out but for some similar reasons it's the networking more than anything getting the you know, if there were players that you wanted to interview, that could be that's really worthwhile. But you're right. You know, the the big networks are doing a great job now, especially NFL Network, of covering it. Um, if you want to watch the tape, you know, it'd be better just to watch the watch what they're doing rather than look on social media real time at this stage of the game. So, you know, and and when I remember when I first got started, it was the same deal. It was like. I, I feel like the first day I was just watching where all the position groups went and trying to study where everybody went and what they were doing, not honing in on specific players and then deciding to pick my battle with that. And then later on, I was just getting access to tape and I'd watch the tape mm -hmm. after practices and, and and then do reports on that. But, you know, with that in mind, just who were some players you saw in Mobile who – you found notable for whatever reason. It could be good, it could be bad, it could be something that's even just neutral. It just was fascinating to you in terms of what you saw. So there there were a couple of guys that kind of stood out. I mean, there were the guys that completely separated themselves, um, like uh like Ty J Spears, the running back, uh from uh from Tulane. So he just did fantastic on all of the days. Um, you know, all, all three or four days that there was practice. Um, but there was another player that surprised me. Um, Puka uh, Nankua. I don't know how Puka to say Nakua. his name. Yeah. Nakua, yeah, from yes. BYU. Man, he's something else. He he did so well on the first day. Um, and I think part of the second day that he didn't even practice on the third day. 
um, just because of how well he kind of took over. And there are a lot of people that maybe never never heard of him um, or didn't really get a chance to watch a lot of his film. But, man, I think he's going to be a really good player in the NFL, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I, hey, I couldn't agree with you more. Puka Nakua is among my top 15 receivers right now. And I didn't oh, even know years. I didn't even know that he had a good senior bowl because I didn't get a chance to check it out this year yet. Um, I did know that people were talking a lot about Michael Wilson, who's definitely been an RSP fave since about November, and people and I knew mm -hmm. Spears was gonna just kill it. Um, but the and then I think the other guy that people talked a lot about was Tank Dell. Um, yeah, you know, but. That was another guy that kind of like completely took over the show. Like not a single DB could stay in front of him. And when they did stay in front of him, he was juking them at the break. He's he's catching through contact, even though there wasn't there's not a t ton of contact at the senior bowl. Yeah. Um, but they are still, you know, getting pretty competitive at the catch point. And if you watch his film, you know why they call him tank. So I think I just think that he has so many levels to his game that are like really impressive. And he was definitely one of the ones, one of the top five in the entire um, Senior Bowl week. Yeah, that's great. You know, and to, I mean, when you think about that, you know, those guys, I mean, Nakua, I'll go back to Nakua real quick. Nakua, to me, reminds me a little bit of like a lighter, maybe not quite as dynamic Golden Tate, the type of player who could win at the catch point, someone who um, has some skill after the catch, Um you know, he has he I liked his skills in terms of being able to separate. Maybe he's not one of the top separators in this class, but he had a nice all around game to him that just felt like you could use him in, in a couple of spots, maybe as a flanker, maybe as a slot as a slot in certain instances, too. Yeah. And honestly, his like his hands were the, one of the most impressive. I don't think he, like he really dropped a single catch. It just seemed like it was like a, you know, he had a magnet to the ball. No matter what was going on, he was able to catch the ball, whether it was, you know, running a vertical, whether it was in a comeback route or, you know, shallow cross or whatever. He was he was really able to get to it no matter what. Nice. Who else? Anybody else come to mind to you? Um, Will McDonald, um, the pass rusher, I think he did really well. He, he really was like a bully out there, to be honest. Um, it just seemed like he... You know, explodes off the line of scrimmage. Um, just like really that bully mentality. Whenever he lost the rep, um, he came right back at 110%. He just has a high motor. He's never stopping. Even when he falls over, he gets back up and really plays through the whistle. Um, you know, from, from day one to day three, he was just really showing up all three days. Nice. Nice. You, um, anybody else come to mind to you? Uh, so Caillou Blue, um, the corner, uh, Caillou Blue Kelly, uh, man, I think, I think day three, uh, and also in the senior bowl game, um, he just like really stepped it up. He, he ended up getting an interception, like two interceptions on day three. Um, and one of them was like a one handed catch. I don't know. He just seemed like. He was everywhere. Uh, he's long. Um, he's able to kind of. He's able to stay in front of any wide receiver. Really, um, I don't know. He just. He just seems really active. No matter what. No matter what the situation is, he wants to get his nose in there. Uh, he doesn't shy away from any contact. Um, and he just. He seems like he's a magnet to the ball. He likes to. 
he gravitates towards it. He, he crashes really well. Um, even when, you know, he's trying to protect the sideline and zone coverage, anything like that, he's really just getting to the ball. So yeah. I really liked him too. That's cool. I want to circle back to Ty J Spears for a little bit. Cause, um, I really enjoyed his tape a great deal. And I'm, I'm, I'm really high on his game. Um, I'm just wondering from your perspective, when you watch him, do you see a player that can be more than say what more than what say the Cowboys did with Tony Pollard? Not to say that Tony Pollard can't be more than what he's been, but do you do you see an avenue where maybe Ty J Spears can be um, in a role that's beyond where Tony Pollard's been used? I. Uh- yeah, so in terms of, like, scheme, or do you just mean, like, overall production? Overall production, like... Yes, yeah. absolutely. I don't know what it... When I watch him, it's like my knees hurt because I don't know how he can get so low, like, and he stops on a dime, and his change of direction is just, like, out of control. Like, his stop and go is so good. Um, the moves that he puts on in, in the open space, he will make a guy fall. Like, yeah. and not feel any remorse for it. He he gets north and south really quickly. He explodes out of the out of the backfield. Like, let's say, like a draw play. He's getting north and south so quick. One juke move, and that's really all it takes. But, you know, he can really be, like, you saw him be a north and south runner. Like, you know, exploding out the gate. But he also can be, like, sideline to sideline. He can juke guys out of their cleats. Um, you know, if he has to go all the way to one sideline to another, like he will do it. I see him being like, dude, I see him being like one of the best, honestly. He just, he just, I don't know what it is like watching him in person. I don't know if it made me a little biased or something, but I don't know. I just, I really, really, really enjoyed watching his game. It's very likely he will remain the third running back on my board, um, overall, but that he may even have a shot to go higher depending on what his combine looks like. And was it Bijan in, in front of him for you? Bijan is in front of him. Zach Evans is also very high on my list there. Um, the, the kid out of Ole Miss TCU. I think Zach Evans is a, has a really refined game. Um, he may be the riskiest of the three just because we don't know. You're going to hear questions about his maturity based on his recruitment, based on him changing schools, the fact that um, the kid, that the um, the freshman um, out of Ole Miss got a lot of playing time with, with Evans still there, um, or Evans transferring there, and he didn't just completely take over. But Evans is a fine player. But Spears, to me, the, the, back, the only back I can compare him to right now is Jamal Charles. Because like Jamal Charles, he catches the ball exceedingly well. Mm-hmm. Like you said about getting north-south, when, you, when you're when you back and you can get, you can transition from going sideline to sideline to downhill, like a perimeter play, and you've got to be able to go from that sideline approach at full speed and hit it downhill. How many gather steps do you need to make that transition? Because the amount of gather steps you take slows you down. And that's usually mm-hmm. when you project to the NFL, you've got a backside defensive end or linebacker coming downhill um, in pursuit. And if you have to take, you have to slow down three to four steps, even a nose tackle is going to catch you. 
But if mm-hmm. you can do it in one to two steps, you're usually a guy who can be on the field and maybe start. If you can do it in one step consistently, you're a starter. If you can do it without taking a gather step, you're a stud. You're just a, you're an absolute star. There aren't many backs who can transition, at least in this department. And Tajay Spears can go from, you know, to the boundary approach to downhill without a gather step and, and do it at top speed. He can do it on, you know, runs to the short side. He can do it on runs to the far side. And you've built up a lot of momentum trying to turn the corner to the far side. You know what I mean. I mean, you played mm-hmm. the position. When you're when you're accelerating to the sideline and then you got to cut it up like that and you don't have to you don't need a gather step to do that and you can get inside a force player while that happens. That's yeah. special and he has that the same way Charles yeah. does. Yeah, he has that explosion off of that back foot like he would just make one cut. He doesn't really have to, you know, chop too many times in order to kind of slow down he takes that one cut step and boom his change of direction is super quick um i I like Bijan's pad level a little bit better than spears um you know it seems like he gets a little lower maybe he's a little more patient behind a line of scrimmage um maybe you know allowing those blocks to form you know he'll be able to do that but overall i do like spears i haven't really got to watch evans too much um just because like i'm i'm you know, I've been watching a lot of film, but I haven't been doing it for very long. Like sure. just like when the Senior Bowl started. Um, but man, like I'm I'm really excited for a couple of these backs. Uh, Spears like really impressed me. He got me excited, and not a lot of players are like really exciting me like in this draft. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but he's definitely one of them, especially obviously seeing him in person. Yeah, Spears so. Spears might be one of the most exciting players of all the skill position players in this draft, without a doubt. There's a play I was telling Russ Landy a few weeks ago um, where he makes a play in overtime, and they use him as an outside receiver to run a fade against the corner, and he wins the ball in overtime on a fade, on a back shoulder fade inside the boundary, looked like a, a receiver running the route and at the catch point with position. It was it was very impressive. And like you said, I mean, yeah, Robinson, you know, bigger, stronger, probably a little more patient these days. But Spears is, is really good for a back of his size to mm-hmm. work between the tackles. And Evans, to me, like, like Bijan Robinson, and, I, you know, comparisons are what they are, you know, and – and I like to use him more as a range of players most of the time, um, you know, and, and and pinpointed in specific areas, not in their total overall game. But Robinson to me is kind of like you get a back with some of the explosion that Reggie Bush had, um, but in in a in a size, you know, Bush was about two fifteen, two ten, two fifteen by the time he was really playing well in Miami. Um, and I think that Bijan Robinson is a is kind of a guy who can maybe be a bigger Reggie Bush in that regard. With a, and if he continues working at his craft, he can be maybe become more Frank Gore like with a little bit with more of that explosion Gore lost before he even became a pro um, with the injuries that he had. Whereas Zach Evans, to me, is more of a Clinton Portis type of back, which is a gr- I don't think I've compared anybody to Clinton Portis in a long time but Evans has that movement I think Evans is actually 
a wiser decision maker over the past two years of tape if I were to compare his to Bijan Robinson. And I don't think they're that far away from each other. If it weren't for um, if it weren't for the questions about Evans, maybe just how his approach to the game, and I don't even know if those are fair. Like if it those are fair questions, because he very well might have matured and, and be mature enough as it is right now. But I'll just say this: if I if if my team couldn't get Bijan Robinson and Zach Evans is the ends up being the type of person who's going to have capable of putting in the work and being a pro. I would not be mad at all of getting Zach Evans over Bijan Robinson. Um, that would be, or as even as the consolation prize, I would I wouldn't be upset by that. I mean, the guy can. I think he can do everything. He's a better blocker than Bijan Robinson right now too, um, and I think he's just more mature at understanding like with certain plays how to stay tight to your block and maximize the space that you need to, um, so that you don't allow. And when you make a cutback, you're not cutting back into pursuit at a, in a way that Robinson used to have some issues with as a junior or as a sophomore as opposed to being a junior or whatever year he is last year to this year. Um, but, yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are fascinating. You, you know, I think those three backs, Robinson, Evans, and Spears, are, are awesome um, in terms yeah. of potential to become good starters in the league. Yeah, I see Spears kind of, you know, really getting ahead, especially in the first, like, two years in the NFL. Um, there was, a, I don't want to say it was a cause for concern or anything, but there was a, a couple times where Spears got knocked back in the, in the pass-blocking pass drills. Uh, he got laid out. But on the next play, then he, you know, he, he you know he clanked heads with the, with the whoever was rushing. I think it was uh, obviously like a linebacker, maybe, you know, linebackers versus running backs in terms of, a, you know, picking up a blitz. Uh, so he did get knocked down a couple times, and maybe that would be, you know, an area of, uh, you know, where, where he would have to work on a little bit, uh, maybe to, to be able to be a, th a three-down back. Yeah, if I were to rank the three backs we talked about right now, I'd, I'd put Evans in a tier as he has starter tier level pass protection right now, if you ask me. He can stand up block linebackers to – you know, to at least a stand um, standoff on stand up blocks. He reads blitzes consistently. I think he has consistent te technique in terms of keeping his base wide, being able to shuffle his feet, being able to deliver his hands inside and and deliver at least a, 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 a workable punch um, without overextending. Whereas I look at Robinson, I think he's just a shade behind that. He's he. I think he can block some linebackers, more defensive backs to standoffs. I think um, there's some improvable gaps with his technique. I th if I remember correctly, I'll have to look. If I remember correctly, he tends to drop his head a little bit and overextend and telegraph, whereas a guy like um, Spears, I've got Spears in the same tier as Robinson, but Robinson's kind of between the two tiers. He's kind of like good enough to probably start, but he's going to give up some He's going to have to learn a little bit. He's going to give up some bad moments a little more often than, say, Evans. But he'll do a little better than Spears right now. Spears, to me, is more in a committee tier. But you're going to use Spears as a receiver. Like, if you're if you're asking Spears to block, he's helping with somebody else and then leaking out of the backfield more mm -hmm. likely. And I don't think, you know, 
Spears' ability to catch the ball, just like Robinson too. I mean, Robinson is certainly going to be counted on more for his pass receiving um, skills in that regard. But it's a it's a fascinating thing. Any any other running backs catch your eye, or or you know, just from what even not even at the Senior Bowl, just from watching tape. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, I haven't really watched that many running backs. I mean, I, I watched a couple, uh, quarterbacks. Um, I watched a couple wide receivers. So, so uh, I watched a couple of tight ends. So let's but reframe the, the question then. So, so who are, who are players in the top 100 that you just are like, let's start with this, like players in the top 100 who, you really who you really like you know that you just you know that you feel like they're worth they're worth getting that high of a a draft capital grade so the man i think tank dill from the senior bowl is a guy that he's really going to show out i think um in uh in the combine yeah i'm actually working on something right now uh a piece for basically just concentrating on the players that will actually rise their stock uh, at the combine just based on their measurables and, you know, their speed in general, their change of direction. Uh, And Tank Dell is definitely going to be one of those guys. Um, Another, another guy, Payne Durham, the tight end from Purdue. Yep. Man, I, I love him, dude. I think his athleticism is, is really unmatched. He can play against really any safety, any corner. Um, He can make like, acrobatic catches um you know i I just think he's fantastic and his quarterback man i don't know what it is about aiden o'connell yeah but i like him um he's not he's not in the top 100 though so he's more outside the top 100 but um i think he might move i think i think he might move up a little bit uh in especially in the combine just because of the way uh his accuracy he he throws a lot of flats um, he has good anticipation, time throws, quick outs. Like he's more in a running gun uh, type of system right now, like a passing system, where either you know he's throwing flats, maybe a couple slants, but you know then he's not airing it out because he doesn't have a huge arm. Um, but he's throwing to the sideline and like mid to to deep throws uh, pretty well. Those are fun players to talk about because like Tank Dell to me. Like, if I could sum up his game, I would say, you know, he's electric in terms of his shiftiness, great acceleration, someone who can run routes and and get open anywhere really on the field and stretch the field both vertically and horizontally. And he makes tough catches. There's no doubt that he can make difficult catches, whether it's being hit, whether it's winning targets away from his frame, um, or both, you know, in those situations. But where I'm, where I have one concern about him is that he does drop a lot of passes, like to maybe not statistically on the level of like, you know, when I say he drops a lot of passes, I'm not giving you the traditional, um, what percentage of passes relative to his attempts is he, is he, I'm, when I'm talking on film is that there are a lot of passes that I charted where he puts his hands up and he clap attacks the ball. Just like, you know, and there are players who, there are players who win in the NFL who can do that. Um, and it's because they get fed the ball a lot and they just rely on them to, to make enough big plays off of the ones that they do catch. And it is a correctable issue. But when you watch 
Tank Dell, I think he fights the ball a little little more than you'd like to see from a player with all of that other physical and technical ability as a route runner, um, as someone who can win deep. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping to see that little change. I love the um, Payne Durham mention just because I think where he's, I bet you where he succeeds at the combine, where he really impresses is in the three cone drill um, or any short shuttle type of movement where it's really about, I don't know if his acceleration is going to be great, but I think his three cone is going to be really strong. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm very interested to seeing the short shuttle and the forty because I I think he can win up the scene off play action. I don't know if he's a one on one mismatch with speed and acceleration, but I know that if you if he's even with a or in a position where he can be thrown open, he's going to win the ball. Like you're you're gonna he is tough at the catch point. He is very good at, in contested scenarios, and he's a good blocker because of that short area quickness and the size. He's a savvy player to me. Like I think of Dalton Schultz when you think of like what Dalton Schultz has done well in Dallas is that he's a good blocker, really quick. Um, you can put him, you can have him leak out and make plays, but maybe he's somewhere between Pat Fryermuth and Dalton Schultz where he's not gonna beat you like Travis Kelsey or Kyle Pitts. But if you throw if you throw to him in the red zone, you're likely going to be able to throw him open. He's going to find a way to get open. And he can do a little bit more up the intermediate seam than what a guy yeah. like Schultz could do. Yeah, I think he, he has solid hands too. Um, and I think uh, O'Connell just did a really good job of kind of putting it on his chest. So even like through contact, he did a really good job of uh, being able to hold on to the ball. Um, you know, he, man, there was a couple plays where he was just absolutely smothered. And, you know, he was going to the ball. He wasn't waiting. Um, I just think, you know, he does a really good job catching through contact. But what you're saying about the combine, um, I think he, he has a really good change of direction, especially off the line of scrimmage. Like if he if he's really trying to get open, like out of his break, he makes quick turns for a tight end. Yeah, I was actually really surprised to see that. Um, so yeah, I think that three cone is definitely going to be something that uh, I'm going to watch for sure. For sure, I'll give three that I like inside the top top 100 that I feel like are going to be, um, you know, worth the the price of admission. And some of them are fairly obvious. I think Dalton Kincaid. People are going to be down on his blocking. But I remember people being down on Travis Kelsey's blocking, and I thought Kelsey's was more than good enough relative to his receiving skill that he would grow into a high-end weapon. And I think Dalton Kincaid is the best receiving tight end in this class. Um, and I don't think it's relative. I don't. I don't know if I'd say I don't think it's close, but I think there's a fairly decent gap between him and Michael Mayer, as good as Mayer is. Um, I think Kincaid has special ability to be a top end receiver in this class. He's a good runner. Yeah, he 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 is a good runner. You you notice every time he makes a he he gets the ball, he makes at least one guy miss or mm-hmm. runs through a tackle. Um he has the balance, the movement. He he feels more like a a receiver or running back in that respect than a tight end. You, you know, from the standpoint of how he moves. Not that athletically he matches that. But he definitely moves like a, a fluid runner. Yeah, um, I mean he's he's hurdling guys. Like honestly, as soon as he gets the ball, he's looking north and south like a runner. 
um you know i, I really like him for sure yeah um Jaden reed the the michigan state receiver um i like him too i think that there's there's a lot of elements of his game that could be stefan diggs like in terms of where he could develop down the line um i like his ability to to move and find ways to get open um I don't necessarily think he's the safest receiver in this class. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is the safest receiver in this class. May not have the highest upside um, of some of the receivers in this group, but I think Reed is the type of player that in a year or two, he's going to be a strong contributor for a team. Um, he was pretty fast at the Senior Bowl, too, I think. I think he uh, he's actually... He, he, they had like the zebra technologies there where they would let everybody know who was the fastest of the day. I'm pretty sure he had one of them. Yeah. And then, then I'll go quarterback and I've been talking about this guy for a while now and it's fun to see where people are at with him. But I think Anthony, I'm about to go back in about the next five days and watch my final round of quarterbacks. But after two rounds of watching quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson to me is the best quarterback prospect in this class. Um, and I think that people, I think people are going to say it's either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, um, and then you've got the big boys who talk about Will Levis. Um, but I could devote a whole episode to why Will Levis mm. is probably going to be in the Malik Willis tier tier for me last year, which was a very low tier. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm yeah, not a fan. Yeah, yeah, me neither. But Richardson, here's the deal. I think Richardson gets vastly misunderstood and labeled because we still have the labels these days of if he's an athlete and he can run and he's black, then therefore he he has things to learn mechanically or things to learn conceptually, or he's not really a quarterback at the highest level in the same way that we get the Dak Prescott, you know, the headlines about how Dak Prescott versus Brock Purdy you know, Dak Prescott has the advantage athletically, but matched up against Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy's more of a field general. He's more of a guy who is technically sound and conceptually sound. Brock Purdy was a rookie around a great team, and I like Brock Purdy coming out. But let's be real. This was a this was a a stereotyping of of basically two players that really shouldn't have been stereotyped that way. And I think Anthony Richardson still gets a little bit of the stereotype. Because when I look at his game, I've, and if you haven't seen it yet, and I know I've had it out for a couple months, I have a good, I think, 30 minutes of throws that I break down showing him manipulating defenders. In an he does a lot of way. that. Yeah. A lot of that. He does a lot of pump fakes. He, he's juking with his legs, man, especially on the run. Yeah. Man, he's really making guys jump and all the time. And he can manipulate defenders while moving with control in the pocket it, it, with efficient movement he's not just kyler murray you know making yeah he doesn't hold moves. the ball down he's holding the ball at his at eye level while he's outside yes. of the pocket so what does that mean he's ready to throw at any time yeah. his eyes are staying downfield his placement's great in a in a lot of areas when you see it. and i'm talking about 2022 tape now i've seen a lot of 2021 tape watching the re, his receiving core um, and, and people are, and I've watched some tape where he's had quote bad games and people are going, well, what about these horrible decisions he makes with these, these interception rates? And when I watched the, the interceptions I've watched thus far that were bad were, were not the type 
you've got to think about the context of it. And the analytics are going to say that something must need to be addressed. Like my buddy Dwayne McFarland, I saw today on Twitter say that it must be a mechanical issue that he has that must be addressed for his accuracy to be better. And, you know, I'll hold out, you know, I've got, again, I've got some games I, I want to specifically study to, to see if that's the case. But what I've seen thus far, it's not mechanical. It's a it's a game management thing where at the he's at the end of the game, he needs to make a play, or he's in a key moment where Florida needs him to make the play. He's going to have to force it on some level, and he ends up forcing a ball under pressure that nobody would be able to deliver. But it wasn't. It was one of those scenarios where. He thought he might get the ball off before someone hit him in the chest. He doesn't. The ball's now underthrown by three yards, and the defender intercepts it. You know, it's not one of those where he's like Zach Wilson, who's who's thinking, I've got this out route. The defender's got favorable leverage, and I'm going to throw it anyway because I think I don't understand leverage well enough to place this ball. It's more where Richardson's in a situation where I think he understands leverage just fine, he just thinks that maybe he can beat the pass rush to it or that maybe he can make this off-balance throw and beat and and get it far enough or get into that situation where it wasn't necessarily a conceptual issue as much of it was as I'm trying to be a hero in a situation where it didn't work out. I saw Matthew Stafford and Patrick Mahomes and other players have awful games at the college level doing the same thing and i think he's kind of getting penalized as you know not making smart decisions or not being a smart quarterback who has accuracy issues for plays like that as opposed to actually understanding the context of what he was doing and where the mistake came from i mean it was isn't isn't this the same coach um that uh that didn't play the the running back who's now in Houston, my favorite running back. Um, oh the the which running back? Oh the oh I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah Pierce. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't I don't know I'm I'm not following you know college football well enough to know who the coach is. Um, but he made some terrible decisions last year with with Pierce. Um, he didn't even use him enough, you know, so is it, is it really like, okay, Richardson, he's kind of putting the entire game on his shoulders in a way I, where he kind of has to come up with everything at the end of the game I, I instead think, of the coach. I think there are some plays that people are like, kind of, I'll, I don't know if I'd go that far. It's possible because I need more to watch with it. But from what I can tell you, Lori, is that I feel like people are maybe double penalizing him for things that they aren't double penalizing other players for. Um, in the same way that like when Lamar Jackson would make a mistake as a thrower, it would they would use that bad play to confirm their bias that they were already looking for that he can't be a quarterback. Um, and I think that there's some of that with Richardson where they're looking at a, a play where if they saw Stafford do it, and not everyone's going to see it this way, but if they had seen Stafford do it years ago, they go, well, he's trying to be a hero. He's immature. He's putting too much on his shoulders. And 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 they're not doing that for Richardson. Instead, they're saying, oh, he's not accurate. He's he's not. 
making, you know, he's got so much to learn about being a quarterback. And a lot of it too is into that whole idea of not watching tape, but understanding that he's only started fully for one year. And so it's an easy narrative if you don't really do the work to just bullshit and say he needs to do a lot more to become a better quarterback because we've only seen him for one year. And there's, you know, and you can be right with that approach easily because you can look at the you can look at the data in total of the historical data and say, well, quarterbacks who've played at least two years tend to have more success and the success rate for guys yeah. with one starting year or less is lower. But it doesn't tell you specifically about Anthony Richardson. It tells you about quarterbacks as a whole. Um, and But then you start broad brush kind of painting over that and you whitewash his game by saying, well, he's not ready when you don't even know because you didn't watch. You didn't yeah. watch specifically what's going on. And I think there's a lot of that with Richardson because on um, as a thrower, the, the running's great. But as a thrower and a pocket player, um, I think he he may not turn out to be the best quarterback of the three of Young and Stroud. I'm not even putting Levis in the same universe, so we can you know <laughs> we're not even going to go there. Um, but if it's Richardson, Young, Stroud, certainly Young and Stroud are are excellent. You know, are are really good prospects. But I think Richardson as a thrower stands up closer to them, if not above them, in ways that people don't realize already. Um, and yes, he will try to take on too much early and try and do a little too much in certain situations. And people are going to, you know, especially in the NFL, like fans will see it. And I think they'll go off a bit um, and probably overreact like they usually do to some plays that he makes. And they'll go, God, that was a dumb play. You can't do that in the NFL. Um, and then two years later, he's going to make some th unbelievable throws and they're going to be like, you know, my God, that was awesome. But he's a, but it's rooted in the same thought process and skill process. It's just about maturation. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, but, and it's always going to be that, you know, until he proves like everybody wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So the, and I love that people are talking more and more about him going to Detroit. Um, Cause I do think he'd be a perfect fit in Detroit, let golf play another year, let him sit a, a, a year or get intermittent playing time. And then with, from a contract standpoint, I think it was Tej Seth who was talking about it um, this morning on Twitter to give him some credit was that, you know, from a cap standpoint, um, this would be a good fit because by the time Richardson really is ready um, or the, when they want to put it, start to put him in, um, these other players will start to be in, in line who are surrounding talent for extensions and they'll be able to afford those extensions and they and that team could really be in a contention window with a young quarterback of great talent so so those were my three what what who were your three that are in the top 100 at least from what it looks like the way they're getting valued that you're just like ah, i don't know about that so um one of those guys you know we discussed uh, kind of already will will levis <laughs> yeah i don't know i just there there's not a lot about his game that really impresses me um the fact that like he's his pocket awareness is bad he he doesn't really throw a nice ball either like oh. the velocity isn't really there i feel like whenever he throws like whenever there's like really nice plays that happen it's really the design um you know he's throwing guys that are wide open um 
you know, measurables are great. You know, he's tall, you know, the way he moves, um, but just, you know, the pocket, well, I'm talking about the way he moves, like, within the pocket, but the awareness in general, I don't know, I just don't see it. I don't see him, like, I don't know, I think it would be a mistake if anybody gets him high. Yeah, and um, let, me, let me touch on him, and then we'll go to your next one, because I'm with you. I think one of the things that, he's the robo quarterback, you know, like, to me... <laughs> Every year, that's so funny that you the, said that. <laughs> the media, I this is I've been talking about this since like Patrick Mahomes. When Pat, when I was talking Patrick Mahomes years ago, I was like, listen, there's robo quarterbacks. Every, the NFL thinks, you know, they don't say they think this way, but their actions show that they look for six three to six six quarterbacks who weigh two twenty to two thirty, who are white, who have strong arms, and who are smart, who are, who are book. <laughs> Yes, who are book smart, you know, who are book smart and have some sort of leadership bullet points. And the more of those robo quarterback bullet points they have, the higher they are on the board. Because at the end of the day, what they're just starting to figure out and still haven't figured out a way to grade for it is that processing information is more important than remembering information. And the robo quarterbacks usually they're the coaches. They they should they do the whiteboard like coaches. That's impressive. That's great. You know what? Mark, Scho- be a coach. <laughs> Mark Schofield, our buddy, knows whiteboards just as well as a coach when it comes to quarterbacking, but you wouldn't want him on a field at, outside of Wesleyan. And he'll joke with you that he, he you probably wouldn't want him at Wesleyan when he was at Wesleyan, you know, in, in his level <laughs> of modesty that and humor that he does. But the point being is that Levis is that guy that his process is, isn't there. He targets receivers who are technically open, but he leads them in the hits. He needs to wait an additional beat for visual confirmation that a player's open rather than to read the leverage and anticipate that opening. And that forces him to rush and squeeze throws that just aren't going to make it, especially in the NFL. He's going to be, he's going to be fresh fish on a weekly basis to like, you know, to the NFL's Shawshank of coverage guys who are going to basically cut, cut that stuff off on a, on a regular basis. So, for me, you can talk about all the exteriors of what you want from a quarterback, but what goes on, be- you know, between the ears, um, it's not. It's the it's the quick thinking and the confident thinking in terms of speed of reaction that he doesn't have, and that's hard to teach. And yeah. I don't think he's got it. Yeah, there were, there was one throw. Um, I think it was a. I think it was against um, Georgia where it was just like the wide receiver didn't have any leverage. He was getting stacked on the, on the sideline on a vertical route and you just threw it up there. Yeah. And it was just like, how, why, why did you throw that? Yeah. Um, but that, that one pass actually leads me into the next guy who, who I just, I don't know. I see him as a really risky pick. That's a uh, Keely Ringo, the yeah. cornerback from Georgia. Um, and he's the one who picked off, Will Levitz, uh, which was just like when I saw when I was watching him, and I was just like, I really don't like this corner. And then he made that interception. Then I realized who threw the ball, and I was like, Oh my god! Like everything about this entire play was just garbage. But I don't know. There's something about Keely Ringo that um that I just don't like. So he, he once again, this is another guy who has great measurables. He's six two. Um, you know, he's lean. 
uh, well, not like lean, but, um, you know, he, he's he's a physical corner, actually. And that's one of the things I don't like about him. I feel like he uses his physicality to kind of make up for his slow reaction time. Um, his his reaction time off the line of scrimmage is slow. Like, he gets beat off the line of scrimmage all the time against faster receivers. His feet are just slow. It just seems like he's kind of stuck in, uh, like, quicksand in a way. When When he's in zone, it's like... I was watching one play where he dropped back in zone and the there were him and the safety, safety right behind him, and they they had basically the whole left side from the hash to the sideline, those two guys. There's nobody else in the on that side of the field. And he lets the wide receiver catch it and then he then he decides to break towards the ball. And it was just like, What took you so long to like process this? Like there was no there was no other responsibility coming in your vicinity and yet it took you took you really long uh to kind of like process it and, and make a move towards the ball um he does play the vertical ball really well but again that's just him using his physicality he can stack some wide receivers um but uh i just don't see him like i think i see that as a really risky pick uh if he were to get picked pretty high yeah like you see him as more of a guy maybe who could develop into a contributor or a starter, but not your primary shutdown corner. Yeah, no, and I see him pretty high on some boards, and it's just really not concerning, but it's just like, wow, I just don't see it. Well, well, on the other side of the ball, I have a player like that where I feel like I like him enough to understand that he can become a valuable wide receiver in the NFL, but in the same way that Gabriel Davis is a valuable wide receiver, a guy who probably more of a secondary option who has trouble catching the ball because he clap attacks on too many of them and you've got to feed him volume as opposed to make one play, you know, and you and he's going to need to be buffered maybe a little bit by other players who can get open against top defenders and can run the full route tree at a level where you're not just looking for him to be like the play action deep threat or um somebody along those or a red zone threat and that's quentin johnston of tcu i know a lot of people like him 64 212 listen he plays both sides of the formation though you usually see him on the left as a split end um he's physical at the top of the route you know he has excellent size that you want to find as a primary receiver he accelerates well in and out of his breaks like a top pro but he clap attacks everything i mean and he drops difficult balls that a receiver on the level that they're going to want to value at, that he should catch. Um, and that's a, you know, it's fixable, but part of that is a tracking issue. And part of that is really specializing on, on that aspect of your game while you're trying to learn everything else. And because that's like the heart of your game, catching the ball is the heart of your game. If you're going to, it, think about it this way Laura I mean if someone was teaching you how to drop the pads or finish runs while you were learning an offense and you had to relearn something that was as vital to running back play as anything while you're trying to learn an offense and compete to get on the depth chart it would be hard it would be a tough thing to balance and I think with Johnston correcting that pass catching technique is going to be one of those things where he may start off looking good, but then when he starts to play against a higher level of competition, 
in terms of later in the preseason, um, in terms of, you know, in the regular season, you're going to see a lot of up and down from his game. And I'm, I worry about him maybe falling apart early and then getting labeled. And that's the worst case scenario for him. The, I think the, the likely scenario is, is that he gives you highs and lows where if they, he gets drafted early, he's going to have a, at best, he has a Gabriel Davis-like outcome, which people are going to go, well, he was our first day pick. We expect more from that. Whereas with Davis, he rose, you know, he kind of was a, you know, he was a mid-round pick who worked his way upward. So people are happy with him. The expectation wasn't as high. But if you're going to, if you're going to look at Johnston and say, he's our number one, but he plays like Gabriel Davis, that that's going to be a disappointment. So who's yeah, your next, you. who's your next player? Um, So there's a guy that's, I'm still kind of, like really not sure on uh, that's Jalen Hyatt uh, from Tennessee yeah. wide receiver. And maybe there's just like, I didn't, I don't have enough on him. Like maybe I just haven't watched enough. Um, you know, I think he's, he's really fast. I think he's going to do well in the combine uh, just in terms of speed. He's going to be able to show how quick he is, but on tape, it just doesn't seem like, like he's really getting pressed enough. Like, he's not – like, maybe that's because of how fast he is. And it's not like corners are playing that much press in the NFL anyway. Um, so that might be something, you know, that he'll be able to, um, you know, like, do well on because of that. Um, but I just don't see him, uh, like, getting off of those blocks uh, just because of his size. Like he's playing a lot of he's playing a lot of slot, but he's small. He's a small guy. He has that vertical speed, um, but can he be? Can he win one on one on the outside? And right now, because of how high he he's looking to like how high of a prospect he is, um, should he be that high because of his uh, because of where he's positioned right now, just in the slot? I don't know if he should be ranked as high as he is just because of his. Uh, I don't want to say he's like a one trick pony. Um, but he, his vertical speed is like really what he has best. Yeah. I just don't see how, how he could be, how he could go that high with just that, you know? Yeah, I would, I would agree. And he's a, a player that I think would be the model for him. If things worked out well, would be Robbie Anderson at Robbie Anderson's best. Um, but it would be, yeah. that's where he would have to, he has to ascend to that. But right now, I mean, like to me, it's, he's basically a, a runner of about eight routes, stop routes, crossers, overs, posts, goes, double moves, RPOs, mm -hmm. screens, and drags, you know? Yeah. And that's that's enough that you can... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. Like, you but can... I like, especially that stop and go, he, he does really well kind of getting low and, and kind of making DB step up. But there was that one, there was that one time he did it against a, against a, against a corner and Notre Dame and that, that guy didn't move. He didn't yeah. budge. He didn't beat him at all. So yeah, I mean, to me, he's, he's, he's a player. He can make tough catches against contact, but he's, he's a player that also had Cedric Tillman on the other side, who is a physical, big physical player who can get downfield and the opposite teams knew better. So you're going to have their primary guy more on Tillman more often than you were going to have him on Hyatt. Um, so I like Hyatt to a degree, but I say this and I hope I, I hope I don't say it anything that's offensive on this level, but to me, it's like, I've often joked that speed is kind of the cleavage of the NFL. 
that that yeah, it's, it is. it's like that's hilarious that owners literally it's like chauvinistic males who literally are like they're not looking you in the eye they're looking at you in the chest and there's and they're they're not listening to a word you say but they're gonna go ahead and make a decision based on reasons that have you know that is that shouldn't be made on for those reasons and jay and for me speed is that way that they'll go well he can't he doesn't run a full route tree he has you know i'm not saying this about hyatt but like a lot of speedy receivers he doesn't run a full route tree he doesn't run he doesn't catch the ball well um he's not much of a blocker um we don't know how much of a student he is in the classroom mm -hmm. but that's speed you know like you, you exactly. know they can't they they just can't they fixate on that. So I think it's that's always been my joke is that that that's the case with Hyatt um, is that maybe he's getting a little bit of that bump due to speed because I wouldn't put him on the same tier as say Jameson Williams last year who was who certainly was a um, you know a, a late you know kind of a late riser from in his final year when he moved to onto Alabama. Um, I think Williams is a far more complete player than what Hyatt is at this stage. Yeah, I mean, he, he can run, you know, his his vertical route is like, it's pretty unstoppable where he'll, he'll have like a subtle head fake and he'll be able to to get deep. Um, but, you know, that, that's really all he has right now. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so yeah, he, he's kind of one that's a little risky. For sure. In my book for sure so who are some players we'll finish it this way who are some players that are outside what you think will be in the top 100 that that you like they intrigue you or you just you're like if if i had my way they'd be inside the top 100 or they're going to wind up playing that way yeah so you know how i mentioned them earlier aiden o'connell um the the quarterback from purdue so yeah, he doesn't have a deep ball. Um, that's really the main concern. Uh, he'll underthrow at times. Um, but, yeah, he has good anticipation. He trusts his wide receivers. Um, right now, I think he's like, you know, day three, something like that. Um, but, you know, I think his accuracy uh, is really going to take him – I think his stock is going to rise over the next week um, just because of – you know, how consistent his accuracy is. Um, and, you know, I do think that his that his tight end kind of helped him out a little bit, Durham. Yep. Um, you know, that's the tight end from Purdue, like we mentioned. Um, obviously, he's a gifted tight end, gifted athlete as a tight end. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that O'Connell made some, uh, some pretty impressive uh, throws. Um, but, yeah, he's throwing a lot of flats. Um, but at the same time, that's a lot of the NFL right now. I think if he sits behind a, you know, a veteran, uh, quarterback for a year or two, um, we'll, we'll be able to, I think he'll do pretty well, mostly because of how well he reads defenses. Um, I think he, he stays poised. He can take hits in the pocket really well. Like he'll take on a, a um, a blitzer coming through the B gap free like and he'll still stand there in the pocket and take that hit head on and deliver it right to his wide receiver um so i don't know i think that's something that you can't teach uh and and that's something that kind of takes a little bit for for quarterbacks to kind of get used to the speed and uh you know how hard uh defenses hit in the nfl um but i think o'connell is doing a really good job uh you know doing that now 
So yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be pretty good. I, I thought O'Connell did a really nice job reading middle, making middle of the field plays on dig routes. I thought he was a very good dig route thrower. Um, the only area that I that I really looked at where I was like um, a little iffy, I think he does read the field well. He goes to the second second and third reads pretty well in progressions and does it in a timely manner. He like a lot of quarterbacks of even at the top of the board. Um, it's hard for him to anticipate where the coverage is that's ancillary to the primary route. Like maybe it's a safety over the top, a linebacker to one side, a cornerback who's playing underneath and could any of those players in the coverage triangle who could appeal off of their coverage to um, undercut or cut off the football. I don't think he's very good at that right now, but most quarterbacks need a little bit of time to get good at that. Um, so yeah, he's an intriguing player. Jay Kaner to me, I, I like Jay Kaner out of Fresno State um, as a, a quarterback who fits that bill of a guy who could develop down the line here. Um, I think that he's a clutch player who, you know, his intermediate velocity is maybe a half to a beat shy of adequate for maybe opposite field or off platform throws against tight man coverage, and he'll overestimate his arm strength to deliver those targets. So that's something that he's going to either have to get a little stronger with his arm or he's going to have to understand what he can and can't do in the same way Brock Purdy had to um, learn what his um, limitations are. Um, but from the standpoint of, you know, working, you know, as a decision maker, he manipulates coverage well. Um, he holds he holds linebackers well in the flat. Um, I think that he's also someone who can punctuate his eye manipulation with shoulder fakes and pump fakes. Um, he has an effective hard count. He has a good feel for being able to to kind of manipulate defenders both with the ball and before the ball's even snapped. He, I think he senses pressure very well, um, and he's someone that's willing to take a hit and at the same time know how to maneuver and sidestep pressure and buy time. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a little bit with retreating that I'd like to see him get a little bit better at in terms of very specific instances where edge pressures get depth in the pocket. But other than that, I mean, you know, overall, I, I think he's a compelling player with his ability to create both in um, on script and off script and maybe not in a starter's body right now, but may have room to become a really... Um, compelling journeyman quarterback. So, so who else is on? We got we got maybe a couple more for the list. Yeah. So um, there's a guy that is like he he's like kind of even outside like 200 maybe. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, Jake Bobo from UCLA. I just finished um, watching him today. Did you? Yeah. Oh, just before that's awesome. The show. He's big, man. He he's yeah. really big. I think he utilizes his height really well. He's not like the best route runner. Like he's not gonna like move a ton of DBs or anything. Um, but I think he's still fluid. Um, I think he makes really good breaks. They're sudden. They're sudden breaks. He can his his catch radius is uh is pretty good. He can obviously, you know, get any ball that's up the sideline. Um, whether that's you know back shoulder or or you know front shoulder anything like that um i think i think he's pretty good i don't know i liked him when i watched this tape 
Yeah. What did you think about him? So far from what I've seen, I've seen three games that I've tracked and seen some other games, and I saw him both at Duke and at UCLA, and his short route running is good. Like yeah, he, he gets has, open. Yeah, he has good release plans. He can vary his release plans well, though he likes to lean on the double up and the white pretty pretty often. But like he can do that and then get open in the middle of the field with some decent breaks. He can drop his weight, which allows him to be sudden enough. He just isn't going to get separation without play action. He's not your primary wide receiver. I mean, neither of us yeah. are saying that. But like he can he can use his body to box out a little bit or to be able to win high and take a hit. He can take some punishment there. He's just one of those guys that if the defender anticipates what he's going to try and do to release outside, he gets kind of pushed to the boundary and manhandled and and anticipated, and he can't get away from the guy. But in the middle of the field, I see him as one of those guys that you use in three and four receiver sets. You kick yeah, him inside. Big Big yep. slot, you kick him inside, have him maybe run some outbreaking routes from the inside against linebackers, smaller slot um, defenders, and safeties, and he can do that, and he can play inside, and he and he will. He's big enough to get some yards after the catch, um, you know, just by pulling through mm -hmm. a wrap or doing some things like that. So yeah, I I, I see that for sure. Um, I don't know if Mitchell Tinsley is getting the level of love that enough that he may end up in the top 100, but he's out of Penn state. He played with Bailey Zappi last year at Western Kentucky for a few years. And he played so well. I think, I don't remember what bowl it was. I think it was the hula bowl that he got called up to the shrine game and he dominated there too. Um, and he is, I think he's like five eleven two Oh five and his movement skills. He's, he, he has some good short area movement, great footwork. Um, he's good at catching the ball, and I think he's fast enough that if he has this the acceleration and speed that I think he does, I think he's one of those players that when it's all said and done, there's this is a wide receiver class that people are – it's very tight, if you call – if you tell, ask me, in terms of separating the, the grades between a lot of these wide receivers. I think that there's a lot of guys – in this class who could contribute like a ton of them but there aren't got there's maybe three or four guys that i would even put on the bottom end of a tier where of like the top guys in last year's class like you know like the olave the wilson guys you know watson even guys like that like i think there's a big group of guys that have one or two skills that we'll see how they if and whether they improve and if and if they do and they get the right opportunity, they could be good players. But there's a but that also means that everyone's touting someone different in this class. And I think there's gonna be a lot of that. And Mitchell Tinsley's one of those guys that I think could wind up being like on the outside looking in, who winds up playing better than three quarters of the players in this class. Like he has that those kind of sneaky skills. Um and uh so I'm fascinated with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not actually watching his highlights right now. He's really good after the catch. Um, you know, he has one of those good like dead leg moves. Yep. Or kind of, you know, he can uh, do, change of direction. He's got a nice hip shift too, like to yeah. be, and he can apply the hip shift working both laterally across the field east west as well as vertically north south, and he can do it as a runner, and which is which is kind of impressive um to boot on that. 
Um, yeah, good contact balance, good hands. He can catch in traffic. Yeah, he just, you know, he was playing opposite Parker Washington, the established receiver, along with Brenton, um, Brendan Strange, the, the tight end. Those guys have been there for a little while. He was kind of their third option. And they also, you know, when – with a, a young quarterback, a first year, like a freshman quarterback who's pretty darn good, but still, you know, he he didn't have consistent production week to week, but the plays he made were some good. There were some good moments on tape against the likes of Michigan, Ohio State, even last year against Michigan State when he was playing at Western Kentucky. So, yeah, he's fascinating to me. Um, let's let's do one more piece. Who's who's you got one more for me? Um, well, just like from the top of my head right now, and we mentioned him, and I want everybody to pay attention to um, the combine and uh, and watch this guy in the gauntlet, you know, Puka, man, yeah. you know, from, from BYU. I think, I think in the gauntlet, he's going to show uh, why he's going to move up a little bit, and it's really just his hands in general. Um, he's just really consistent with his hands, and, and I think it's something that uh, you're not going to, like I didn't see a lot of drops from him at the him at the Senior Bowl, and he's not a guy that's like I don't even think he's inside the top 100 right now. Um, but he definitely rose his stock a little bit uh, from the Senior Bowl. Um, but yeah, just the guy off the top of my head, um, him, and uh, just one more. Hold on, yeah. um, Charlie Jones. Oh yeah, um, from Purdue. Um, he he's not moving DBs too much. Um, you know when when he doesn't have the leverage. He's not creating that separation um, too well, but I like his catching through contact. I like his uh, change of direction. He can stop on a dime. Like once he once he plants that back foot, he, it, it sticks there, um, and he's able to uh, to change direction pretty quickly. Um, he takes some long strides. I think he's only six foot, um, but he's been in it for a long time. I think he's a six year senior. Um, so he's someone that you know has a lot of experience under his belt, um, and and I think uh, I think he's going to be an interesting watcher. Obviously, I watch a lot of Purdue tape, so <laughs> there you go. But I like it, um, Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia um, is fascinating to me. I think he has some lapses sometimes with how he positions his hands for the the target, um, but he also plucks throws out high or low. Um, I think he does a good job of, um, you know, high pointing out of jump throughs. Um, he, he can measure defenders with one hand and then make the play. He takes contact well. Really good stop-start movement and quickness. He forces multiple defensive backs to overrun their pursuit angles as a, as a pass catcher. Um, he can drop his weight really well. And I think that once he really learns how to play to the speed that he's capable of and really be consistent with his quickness in and out of breaks. He could be a consistent, um, you know, contributor, routine contributor on a depth chart. And then there's a guy that kind of caught my eye this weekend. And that's CJ Johnson out of East Carolina, who is 6'1", 225. Um, I watched him against NC State, um, South Florida, Memphis, and Cincinnati. And he's more of a big slot right now. A lot of moves at the in, at the line. Good patience and suddenness. Um, I just want to see how explosive he really is. He wins the one-on-one -on -one battles in the way that Alshon Jeffrey would win one-on-one -on -one battles early in his career. 
Um, I just wonder how explosive he really is because if he's if he has the explosion that I think he could have, he's going to be a find. I think he'll be. I think that he could wind up being a starter in this league or a high end contributor at the very least. Um, just loved how he caught the ball, loved his physicality, liked the quickness as a route runner, just to know how explosive he might be in terms of being able to play outside or not. So fast, you know, some fascinating players, hopefully for us to be able to, you know, you know for you guys to be able to keep an eye on for, with the combine, all these guys, I think we talked about are heading to the combine. Um, so mm-hmm. you'll get a chance to see them. That gives us a little bit of a preview to talk about. And then we'll be back down the line to talk about some of the post combine things that were interesting to us, you know, players who, either impressed us and we and we feel like we need to go back or guys that we need to feel like we have to go back and watch a little more of for a variety of reasons um but you know once again we appreciate you know Lori fitzpatrick for joining us you can find her work at td wire i know she'll be covering the draft and and covering the off season as well as she has during the in, you know during the regular part of the season this past year um you can find me at mount waldman on Twitter and of course the rookie scouting portfolio will be available April 1st um, you can pre-order it for download last year was 900 pages of pure content basically on 150 skill positions I'll be I already have 136 players watched right now winding up with um, um, I'll probably do another 15 by the end of this week finish up the quarterbacks and I'll be writing the each of the chapters to get it ready for download get a pre-draft and post-draft available for 21.95 and I've been doing this since 2006 it's the most comprehensive look at skill position players you're going to find out there and um, you know you can go to mattwaldman.com to find it and thanks again guys for listening and we will see you in a couple weeks <laughs>